0: ladies thank you orchestra let's take our bibles this evening and we're going to turn to john chapter 10 this evening john chapter 10 john chapter 10 And we're going to start reading this evening from verse 22. John chapter 10 verse 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not; the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, the sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish; neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. I out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one let's give me our time to the Lord in prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we are very thankful that we can be here again this evening. Lord, I pray this evening as we come around your word that you would uh, just instruct us and teach us through it. Lord, I pray that you would uh, empower me now through the Spirit, that you would give me wisdom and guidance as I speak, that it would be your words, your thoughts this evening. Lord, I pray that you would... Uh, Challenge us through your word that you would refresh us, encourage us. And that Lord we would leave uh, singing your praises and giving all glory and honour unto your name. I pray you bless our time now, you be in the midst and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now when Pastor Davies um, sent me a message yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock to tell me that he had tested positive for COVID and wouldn't be able to preach tonight... Um, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I didn't know what the Lord wanted me to do this evening, what I was going to preach, um, what we were going to look at. But then as I studied and I was praying, I was looking at a few things and reading. um, I kept coming back to John chapter 10. I had already been preparing John chapter 10, a message on it, a lesson on it for a different reason. And so it seemed like the Lord was laying this on my heart, seeing that I'd spent all week on it anyway. It seemed like, all right, the Lord has given it to me to preach tonight um, you know and so we want to consider tonight this wonderful passage which really is all about eternal security the, the fact that we can never lose our salvation you know once saved always saved you know and John chapter 10 is one of the clearest passages on this glorious truth in the passage before us Christ is in the temple on the the feast of dedication and he's challenged by the Jews there in verse 24. Uh, they they challenge him, demanding that he tell them plain and simple if he is indeed the Christ. Just, just read verse 24 again. It says then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And so they're challenging him, and they're saying, you know, how long do you make us doubt? How long do you make us question? If you are indeed the Christ, tell us simply, tell us plainly that you are indeed the Messiah. And the Lord answers by telling them that he's already told them. He told them numerous times who he was. He told them plain and simple that he was indeed the Messiah. But of course, they refused to listen. They refused to believe on him. Verse 25 says, and Jesus answered them, I told you, but you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So Christ says, I told you, and indeed the works that I do in my Father's name, they make it very clear that I am the Messiah, the one that you're seeking, the one you've been waiting for. But they refuse to listen, they refuse to believe. And then in verse 26 and 27, he tells them that the reason they refuse to believe, indeed they won't believe, is because they're not of his sheep. In verse 26 it says, <clears throat> but you believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep in my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so Christ makes it clear to them. He says, the reason why you won't listen, the reason why you won't believe my words and believe that the miracles and everything I'm doing is because you are not of my sheep. See, if they were his sheep, they would have listened, they would have followed him. And it's from here that Christ now proceeds to give us this wonderful Uh, discourse concerning the security of his true sheep. Those who are part of his flock, if you like, his fold. Now those who hear the gospel message and respond in faith, those who are saved, are the Lord's true sheep. And so Christ here makes it very plain that as his sheep, you and I can be sure of our eternal security. That once we are his sheep, once we are saved, nothing can ever change that truth. And so Christ gives us here in this passage four reasons that we can be sure, four reasons we can be certain of our eternal security. And the first of these is that we have been given eternal life. We have eternal life. Verse 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand he starts out by saying i give unto them eternal life so christ very clearly states that his true sheep those who have accepted him by faith believed in him he says that he has given unto us eternal life now the verb give here is in the present tense in the greek and so it's the idea that we already have been given eternal life now okay it's a present reality if we are saved we have eternal life Christ is not saying he will give it to us sometime in the future but rather he is saying he has already given it unto us it's a present truth it's a present reality in John chapter 3 verse 36 reiterates this point that eternal life is ours from the moment that we believe just go back there John 3 And verse 36, <clears throat> John 3, verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You see, the, the similar idea, okay? Christ, here says, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Again, the passage doesn't say, he that believeth on the Son shall in the future have everlasting life rather it says he hath present tense we have it now it is ours by faith we trust in him and we receive the gift of eternal life John chapter 17 tells us that eternal life is manifested in us now by the fact that we can have a relationship with God so go go over there John chapter 17 this is how we experience if you like eternal life right now here on earth John 17 it says in verse 3, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee. defines for us how we experience eternal life now. Eternal life is us knowing God. It's having a relationship with God. You see, before salvation, we were spiritually dead. We were dead. Unable to have fellowship with God. Unable to please Him. Unable to have a relationship with Him. Once we get saved, we are given the gift of eternal life, and now we are brought into a relationship with God once more, we are quickened, we are made alive spiritually and so eternal life is to know God, it's a present experience for us as believers, we are given the gift of eternal life and and that's a wonderful truth in and of itself isn't it, eternal life is a gift from God, it's something God has given to us, we did nothing to obtain it, nothing to receive it except for belief you know we believed by faith God has done it all God has given it to us it's a gift and because it's given unto us we can do nothing to lose it Okay, we didn't do anything to earn it and therefore we could do nothing to lose this gift from God you know Ephesians 2 we know these verses but let's turn there Ephesians 2 and verse 8 stresses this wonderful truth that salvation is a gift from God eternal life is a gift in verse eight, there in Ephesians two, it says, "For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God. It's a gift. Salvation, eternal life, is a gift from God. It's a gift we receive by simple faith in Him and His finished work there on the cross." Romans six twenty-three declares that same truth. Let's turn there. <clears throat> Again, verse we probably know and can quote. Off by heart, but Romans 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a gift from God. And so the point is that eternal life is a gift given unto us. We have already received this gift, and we are enjoying the benefits of that gift even now here on earth. And that will never change. Now it's a gift given unto us. We have received it. We are enjoying it and it won't be taken away. You see, God's not an Indian giver, is he? He doesn't give us something and then decide, no, no, I'm taking it away now. God's not like that. God has given it to us. It is ours by faith and he'll never take it away from us. And so at salvation, we are given eternal life. That's the first surety of our eternal security. The second one is that we have his promise we have his promise go back there to John chapter 10 and verse 28 it says and i give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish in verse 28 not only are we told that we are given eternal life but now we also see that we are promised that we shall never perish now the phrase in the Greek here is a double negative. And so if you wanted to translate it literally, it would read, they shall never, no, never perish. In other words, it's emphatic, isn't it? Okay, it's to emphasize that this is an emphatic truth. Okay, it is impossible for those of us who have been saved by faith and have received the gift of eternal life, having this relationship with God, it is impossible for us to ever perish. That's a wonderful promise from God you know the word perish here is the the Greek word apolumi. and it means to destroy and it carries with it the idea of punishment in hell it's the same word that's used over in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28 let's turn there Matthew 10 Matthew 10 verse 28 says and fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell the word translated destroy there is that word perish okay it's the same word and so here it's used in connection with hell isn't it punishment in hell for all eternity It's the same word also used in John chapter 3, which we know well, but John 3 verse 15 and 16. (coughs) John 3 verse 15 says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life life that same word again perish this word destroy and again it's used here talking about eternal punishment in hell that's what it's talking about here and so the promise in John 10 verse 28 the promise to us here is that those of us who are his sheep will never experience the punishment of hell that's the promise we'll never experience the punishment of hell we will never be separated from him because that is uh, the punishment of hell, isn't it? That's what the punishment is. It's eternal separation from God. You know, as much as it's in a place of pain and suffering, the real punishment is you're separated from God for all eternity. That's the punishment of hell. But you see, as believers, when we place our faith and trust in Him, we are given the gift of eternal life, so we have this relationship with God, and we will never be separated from Him. That's a glorious truth. That's a, a wonderful truth we shall never perish never experience the punishment of hell but instead we experience day by day the the joy of fellowship with him the joy of eternal life you see this is a promise that's made to all of us who receive him by faith and you know because it's a promise from god we can be sure that he will keep that promise can't we we can be sure that he will keep his word when he says they shall never perish we can trust that promise why because god is the immutable god isn't he he is unchanging now malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 let's turn there a verse that emphatically teaches this truth that god can never change malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 It says, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, your sons of Jacob are not consumed. It's a wonderful verse, isn't it? For I am the Lord, I change not. And therefore, what God has promised to us, God must do. He must keep his word. He will keep his word because he cannot change. You now, likewise, in the New Testament, we are told that our Savior is unchanging. Hebrews 13 speaks about the fact that Jesus Christ is unchanging unchanging he 13 verse 8 <clears throat> he 13 verse 8 declares jesus christ the same yesterday and today and forever and so jesus christ as well is declared to be the same yesterday today and forever he is unchanging and so we know that our god must keep his promises because see if he doesn't keep his promise then he's changed his mind hasn't he and therefore he is changed, and therefore he is not God. And so God must keep his promises. He is the immutable God. And so when he promises we shall never perish, we know that's true. We can trust in that. We can put our confidence in that truth. The third assurance of our eternal security is that we are in Christ's hand. We are in Christ's hand. Go back there again to John 10 verse 28. Says, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. As we continue on in verse 28, we're told that no man can pluck them out of Christ's hand, no one can pluck his sheep out of his hand. So, not only when we get saved are we given this wonderful gift of eternal life, this relationship with God. Not only are we promised that we shall never perish, never be separated from him, never suffer the torments of hell, but we are also now told that we are safe, we are secure in the Saviour's hand. You know, we are told here that no man is able to pluck us out of his hand. The word pluck here means to seize or to carry off by force. And so it's the idea that no one is able to steal us out of Christ's hand. No one can force us out of his hand. No one can pry his hand open and take us out. When we get saved, we belong to Christ. Now We are his. He is the good shepherd. He has bought us with a price. He laid down his life for us. And now that he owns us, he's not going to let us go, is he? He's going to hold on to us. And no one is able to steal us from his clutch. Now, in this verse, it clearly states here, it says, neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. The word any here refers to any power. Any power that might attempt to pluck us out of his hand. You see, in the Greek, the word man isn't there. Okay, you see how man's in italics there? That's been added by the translators for us to help give the sense. But really, the word is talking about any power, not just man. It's any power at all. No power can... Wrestle us free from Christ's hand, and so it can be applied to men. You know, men who try to uh, lead us astray by their false doctrine, their false teaching, who try to deceive us and get to get us to forsake the truth. And indeed, even if they succeed and we fall away in the sense that we become, you know, led away by false doctrine and we, we fall away from the Lord and we stop coming to church, we don't lose our salvation, do we? They can't pluck us out of His hand. That's the that's the point here. They cannot pluck us out of his hand if we were saved his true sheep. They can't pluck us out of God's hand. Doesn't matter what they teach, doesn't matter what happens to us. We're saved, we're in his hand. It also can be applied of course to the devil and his angels, can't it? No spiritual power can pluck us out of his hands. Doesn't matter how much they endeavor to steal us away by their cunning tricks, their allurements. The devil will never succeed. He can't pluck us out of the hand of our savior he might distract us he might get us to quench the spirit he might get us to stop living for the lord but he cannot pluck us out of the savior's hand you see the point is it doesn't matter who it is whether it's men or demons no one no one can pluck us out of our savior's hand and you know that means that not even we ourselves Not even we ourselves can separate ourselves from the Saviour's hand. We're part of the any, aren't we? Any power, any man, we're part of that. We're in there. We're part of this any in the passage and therefore we likewise cannot separate ourselves from the Saviour. You see, those who believe you can lose your salvation, you know, they often say, oh, but I can jump out. Well, that's a ridiculous statement, isn't it? It's a ridiculous statement. It diminishes the power of Christ. You know, to say no man can pluck me out, but I can jump out. I can choose to to jump out is a ridiculous statement. It diminishes the power of Christ. It makes me more powerful than my Savior to say that I can force myself out of His hand. You see, Christ is the Almighty Son of God and it doesn't matter what we do. We cannot get out of His grip. You know, if we are truly saved by faith, and once we are saved, we cannot lose that salvation. It doesn't matter what sin we then commit. It doesn't matter how much we stray. We cannot lose our salvation. That's a glorious truth, isn't it? Because it's not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon him who holds us safe and secure in his mighty hand. You now, he loved us. He bought us with his shed blood and he's not going to let us go. That's the point. He paid for all of our sins there on the cross. He's not going to let us go. Now, Romans 8 is a wonderful passage that's a good parallel to this. Romans 8, let's turn there. Romans 8 verse 38. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall we be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now here we're told by Paul he says death, life, angels, principalities, powers etc. He goes on he says none of these things can separate us from the love of our Saviour. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We can praise God that we are kept by His power. We are safe and secure in the Savior's hand. And you know, if that was not enough, we have the fourth reason that we can be sure of our eternal security, and that is that we are in the Father's hand. We are in the Father's hand. Look there again, John chapter 10 and verse 29. It says, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. lastly, we see in this passage that we are also in the Father's hand. You know, it's like we're in the Savior's hand and then the Father's got his hand around that. We're safe and secure. It's as if our salvation wasn't already secure enough with the knowledge that we've been given the gift of eternal life. We have the promise that we will never perish and we're in the Savior's hand. As if that wasn't enough, Christ now says, and you're also in the Father's hand. He begins verse 29 by saying, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. He says that God, the Father, who gave the care of the sheep to the Son, is greater than all. In other words, He is more powerful than anyone or anything else. He is the omnipotent God. He's greater than every man, He's greater than any angel, demon, the devil. He is indeed greater than all. He is the almighty, supreme God. And then he goes on and he says, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. My father is greater than all and no one can pluck them out of my father's hand. Now the wording is very similar to the previous verse, isn't it? Except now we're talking about the father instead of the son. It's basically the exact same wording. As I said before, it's almost as if Christ adds this to extinguish any doubt. That may have remained just in case we had any doubt that okay maybe there's a little loophole here we can get out he adds this final layer of security for us doesn't he just so we can be absolutely sure that we cannot lose our salvation you know for if there was any doubt about the son's ability to keep this his sheep safe there can be no doubt about the father there can be no doubt the father is as we said greater than all no one is more powerful than our god and no one can pluck us out of his hand you know the point is clear isn't it we are as safe and secure as almighty god can make us you know peter declares the the same truth in first peter chapter one just turn there first peter one let's start in verse uh, 3 1st Peter 1 verse 3 says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed at the last time? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Who are kept by the power of God. We're kept by His power. Our salvation is not dependent upon us. It's not dependent upon our power. It's dependent upon Him. He is the creator, the almighty God, and therefore we have nothing to fear, do we? If He says that we're kept by His power, then what have we to fear? God's the almighty God. He has the power to keep us. And Christ concludes this whole section here by declaring in verse 30, he says, I and my father are one. Now Christ sort of wraps up this discussion on the security of his sheep by simply stating very clearly, he says, I and my father are one. They're one in essence, one in power and authority. Our Lord and Saviour, is one with the Father. He is the eternal Son of God. of the point is clear. As believers, we are safe. We are safe in the hands of both the eternal Son of God and in the hands of the eternal God, the Father. We are safe and secure. And there can be no doubts about the security of our salvation. Once saved, always saved. And that is a glorious truth, is it not? And we can praise God for that this evening. Let's close in the word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Lord, our salvation is not dependent upon us. That Lord, it is all dependent upon you. And Lord, we thank you so much that when we placed our faith and trust in you, you gave us the gift of eternal life. You've given us this wonderful promise that we shall never perish. And Lord, you've given us this promise that we are safe and secure In both the Saviour's hand and in your hand, and Lord, we have nothing to fear. Lord, may you help us not to take this for granted. It's not an excuse to sin. Lord, as Titus says, the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. It teaches us to live righteously. Lord, may every day as we consider your wonderful grace to us, may we seek to honour you and live for you. And Lord, praise you. Uh, For Lord, the eternal security that is ours through Christ. We thank you for this now this evening. Bless as we close and we pray these things in Jesus' name.